Welcome back to your home inspector training. I am Garth Haslam, the home medic. Subject this time around, we're going to talk about birds and we're going to talk about bats. Stuff that can get into a home, especially an attic and sometimes in like basement type crawl space areas and cause havoc with the house and certainly make home buyers raise their eyebrows and show a little bit of fear and trepidation. So let's go ahead and get right to it. Now this time around, rather than give you technical statistics, etc., I'm just going to tell you stories of experiences that I have had so that you can put those uh, 20 years worth of experience in your database and start with that much already under your belt. And then, of course, with each of these stories, I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you these stories, because something can be gained from each of these experiences. This should be one of the more entertaining subjects that uh, we'll cover in this series on home inspector training. I'm going to start with an inspection I did in a smaller community. I had to drive, I don't know, about 50 miles. Normally, I don't go anywhere near that far for a home inspection, but sometimes when I have a good realtor client that calls me up and says, I need you, the answer is going to be yes, because, you know, you kind of need that client too. So I drove down there, and it's a little bit smaller community. I can only guess that maybe they had about 50,000 people in, uh, in that community. It was surrounded by fields and even by my rural the state that I live in, it would certainly not be considered city. So I went down in there and we inspected the house. It was a little older. I'm going to say probably 1945-ish. We did the main floor. Of course, we found the predictable set of electrical issues and the roofing issues, etc. I got down into this space that can only be described as some sort of a mixture between a basement and a crawl space. The exterior was rotted wood, and, you know, we didn't have the tight seal on a concrete foundation. So there was a lot of daylight openings in this space, and I didn't see any termites down there. But as we got looking around, you know, we got into the furnace that was down there, the water heater, etc. And then I turned around, and I saw this small bat. Now, at the time, I thought it was a baby bat. Actually, I don't think it was. Uh, bats just come small. So I looked at that, and it was about one foot over our heads as we go through the door to go back up into the rest of the living space. And so I looked at it. I wanted to see if it was, uh, you know, why it hadn't moved already, why uh, when we turned the light on that it hadn't done anything. I wasn't sure that it was alive. I looked at the buyer. He didn't know what to do with it. So, you know, I didn't want to be terribly foolish and raise a whole bunch of red flags over a bat that is now dead. So I made the perhaps foolish move of just trying to get the bat's attention. I tried turning the light on and off. That didn't move it. I tried actually, I think I had a short, like a two-foot twig that I found, and I just touched the bat with it. I moved it slowly toward the bat. The bat didn't move, and I actually touched the bat with it, and it put out this little squeak and moved to one side. So at this point, we knew that we had a live bat that, for whatever reason, wasn't going anywhere. Maybe it was sick. Who knows what was going on? But I looked at the buyer. He looked at me. Neither of us knew what to do. 
So we finished up down there and went upstairs, reported this to the seller who was completely unaware that he had bats in his basement. What I told both sides is that the nature of bats is that where there's one, there's probably a thousand. And that, you know, that come midnight, he may have a large number of his friends come visit. So obviously, you know, if this bat was sick and we're messing with it, that probably wasn't a good choice. You, one of the things you can learn from this story is uh, don't mess with bats. And you don't necessarily need to know whether they're alive or dead. What you need to know is that there's a bat there and that somebody else needs to go take care of it. You can just ride it up. Leave them alone. But when you do see bats, part of the service that you can and should provide is to say, all right, you got bats. How is it that they're getting in? You know, before you exterminate the bats that are there, you need to make sure that the front door is and the back door are closed to bats so that you can eliminate what's there and then prevent further entry to all of their cousins. So the rotted wood that was allowing all those bats in, uh, that became a part of the theme that uh, was related to bats. Why is this problem happening is usually more of a solution than eliminating the problem directly. So, yeah, I went up, we looked at the home cellar, and we just dumped the problem on him. It was his house. And he didn't really know what to do either. He didn't want to go down there. He didn't want to disinvite this bat. So we recommended that he call somebody. And I don't usually find out what happens, but I guess he did. He called somebody, and they took care of the bat. I made sure when I was writing the report up that we need to make sure that other bats are not getting in to that house. So that's the kind of thing that you learn from this. There are a number of little stories, uh, little bullet points that you learn from this. Leave them alone, make sure they don't have a way in, and call the exterminator, and don't mess with sick bats. Then, I had another valued real estate agent client call me up, and they needed me in another small town, even further away from where I live than that one. That one was quite a drive, and I rarely, if ever, go that far, but again, I couldn't say no, so I didn't. Down I went. In this particular home, it was a two-story, and the main floor, again, this was an older home, I'm going to say 1915, 1920, somewhere in there. The main floor was very cool. They had updated it nicely. They'd kept a lot of the flavor of the original property, and then I went upstairs, and they did warn me, but they didn't warn me enough. What had happened, you have basically uh, one room in the upstairs. You hit the landing, and then there's a bedroom. And that bedroom was the bat bedroom. What had happened is somebody had decided that the chimney was no longer needed. So they got to work on it. They, they had their hammers and whatever, and they went up into this second level, and they started knocking bricks out of that room. And what they had failed to take into account is that there was a, a lot of bricks above this space. You had the chimney that goes up through the roof and then has the chimney cap, etc., on it. And these boneheads were taking out the bricks beneath without doing anything about the bricks on top. So at some point they began to realize that they were creating a structural collapse and they didn't know what to do about it. So they propped up the front of the chimney that they had chipped out with a 2 by 4 and they walked away. 
and they really didn't do anything after that. So what happens now is the bats find this place, and you've got kind of a vaulted ceiling on this uh, little bedroom. The vault, I'm going to say, goes up to about nine feet. Across the top of the vault, you've got a structural beam that uh, is fairly rough in texture, and the bats were coming in through this now very unfinished and very open chimney and uh, nesting there on that beam. In the middle of the floor directly beneath this beam, there was a streak about four inches tall and about one foot wide of bat dung, guano. And, of course, it smelled very badly, and, you know, who knows what sort of a buyer you'd have to be to be willing to buy a property where the entire second floor is filled with bat crap. But that was what was going on at this property. So it certainly was an interesting experience, and, of course, I wrote up the guano, and I am not sure if the buyers were aware of that, but, of course, I took lots of pictures, etc., Moral of this story, things you can gain from an experience like this, is that a chimney can be an access for bats, especially if you've got a hole in it. Now, it doesn't need to be a hole that is constructed by country bumpkin boneheads. It can be a hole caused maybe just by a brick falling out, perhaps inside the attic, and that's how the bats get in. Uh, they don't really care what the front door looks like. They just want there to be a front door. Now, some may say that, you know, having bats in the attic isn't a problem because they're not getting into the living space. Based on experience, I would have to disagree with such a statement because the guano piles up. It is nasty, and it causes issues with people's lungs. I've seen that on various occasions. Sends them to the hospital, and at some point, uh, you can't live in that house anymore because it's just, it's just too nasty. You have to either do major remediation at that point or leave the home to the bats. So that sort of thing is not and never will be okay. And as the home inspector, you're going to want to make sure that you're looking for any holes in the chimney or other entryways that could allow bats or other critters into the attic or the living space. Here's another story. Not too far away from where I live, and I have to admit that I used to be under the very mistaken assumption that the area that I live in just has no bats. I don't think I have ever seen a bat in the uh, metropolitan area that I live in. I don't see them, but they're here. And uh, the proof of that was one of the older homes that I got into, the attic, not too far away from, again, where I live. It, again, was an older home. Uh, I'm going to say that one was... Yeah, about 1910-ish. And it had certainly been around the block for a while. It was surrounded by some very tall poplar trees. Those trees were probably 100 feet tall, maybe maybe taller. Give you a flavor of what's going on there. Right next to that house, there was a railroad. Very loud sort of an area. So this is the sort of area that this home was in. As I popped my head up into that attic, and you know, I want to paint this picture well, You've got that attic hatch, and it's about two foot by three foot. And I, as I'm pushing that up, I'm feeling little things fall down around me and on my neck as I'm getting up into that attic space. Then as I get in, I notice that there are a whole bunch of little feces 
everywhere around me. I mean, there's probably uh, 100 feces per square foot in the direct area around that attic hatch. This, of course, is going to raise my eyebrows and make me wonder what just fell down my back inside my shirt. And then as I go looking around, it's very clear to see that these feces, again, they follow the header, the crest of the roof, where it's bats. At first I thought it was mice, but it turns out it was bats. And the reason I know that is that we didn't have the mouse tunnels and burrows inside the insulation and that the feces had a pattern where they were directly beneath the crest of the roof. And that's where the bats, of course, were nesting at night. I don't know if the word is nesting is correct for bats, but we're going to go with it. Then I noticed that uh, further to the north, and this is a T-shaped sort of a structure in the attic. I was in the leg of the T, and then I noticed as I got in towards, as I looked towards the top side of the T, the, the guano, the feces, ended up being much worse. Instead of being like 100 feces per square foot, you just had full coverage. And then you had piles in certain areas that got up to, it looked like, at least a couple of inches. It was much worse over there. Did I go over there? No. I don't feel the need to die. And that's one of the rules that you'll uh, want to gain from this experience as well is while it is a good idea to do a very good job for your clients, it's not worth dying over. And it's certainly not worth your client dying over. You have enough information at that point to write it up to recommend that the bat problem be eradicated and that the insulation be addressed so that you don't have health and safety issues associated with the property for the homeowners. Then, of course, as part of the write-up, I also added in that uh, whatever the front door was, and again, in, in this case, you had siding that was in poor condition, that that needed to be addressed as part of the bat remediation. Again, not only do we need to eliminate the infestation itself, but we need to eliminate the reason why the infestation is there. Okay, let's leave the subject of bats and go to something that's a little bit more common for most of us, and that would be birds. In the area that I'm around, uh, swallows tend to cause the most problems for me and for homeowners because they tend to build those mud nests, and once those are built, they really don't want to let those go again. The city that I am in is next to a lake, so we seem to have more of those. There are homes that go vacant for a while, a number of months and you will get you know 30 or 40 of those swallow nests up high in the eaves and uh, once those swallows are there and especially if the babies are there you've got a war on your hands when you try to get those back down again and if you don't then you uh, you start getting cousins and uncles and brothers and great uncles in law and your home starts being taken over by the swallows now, something I have noticed is that you can go to some of those uh, IFA-type stores and you get a fake owl. Cal Ranch has them. Those owls are fairly cheap, and they do tend to keep birds away to some extent. They are not an answer, but they are part of a system of solutions that tends to slow down some of the birds. The, the most important thing that a homeowner needs to do, and you'll want to pass this information along to your clients as you run into those homes with swallows, 
or birds of any nature, is that you want to take out the nest quickly, especially if we're talking about the early spring months, March, April, etc., when when birds are starting to build nests. Taking out one nest doesn't do it, but taking out that same attempt at a nest four or five times usually gives that bird the idea that they don't want to keep trying there. I find, especially in the homes where you've got maybe a rock entryway with a little cove there and you've got some some roof above the front porch, you know, the birds are going to love that there. Now, one of the homes that I inspected, what I just described sounds like a very nice home, but one of the homes that I inspected had this same sort of thing, only it was done in wood. Again, it was an older home, I'm going to say about 1960. And it was a foreclosure. It had been vacant for a number of months. And some of those months while it was vacant were March and April. So I got there in, I'm going to say, June-ish, maybe May. And as soon as I got onto the property, just the front yard, I had a couple of swallows that were very unhappy that I was there. And they were chirping. And, you know, you've seen probably when you get swallows that torment a cat because they don't want the cat in the area. They were dive bombing at me in the same sort of way, coming at me from behind and just missing my head by a few inches and chirping. And basically, it was a little, uh, I don't know if frightening is the right word, but uh, they got the best of me. And I came back armed with some glasses, so at least I didn't have my eyes poked out, and a baseball cap so that uh, they weren't going to be destroying my beautiful bald head and this was probably i'm sure it was illegal but i did it anyway i I came armed with a paintball gun now i'm sure that it was illegal in that city to be shooting paintballs into the air but at least i figured that if that bird was going to be coming at me i'd have a little bit of defense i tried to make sure that as i was shooting this bird that was now coming at me from the front side that i was shooting up high in the air I do not recommend using any sort of a gun in the city environment, including a paintball gun. But tell you that, just so you have a picture of how much that swallow had my attention. In addition, the swallow seemed to have about 20 close friends, and when he was out there yipping at me or chirping at me and, you know, trying to drive me away, I also quickly found that uh, 20 of his closest friends quickly followed suit, and they were doing the same thing. This bird actually was dive bombing me. He'd get about 40 feet up and then he'd come directly at me from the front side, pull in his wings and just dive. And uh, that was the point when I I had my paintball gun and I would try to shoot it, but he he always managed to miss by a quarter inch, just adjusting one way or another. So what I found out was that we had a nest with a baby bird in it, a chick, and that chick was about ready to fly, and this is why the the parents were being so careful about it. By this point in time, I was more than a little bit annoyed, so I shot that nest down. It took me about a half dozen rounds of paintballs, but I shot it down, and down came the chick in the nest. And then the parents were really agitated. They actually picked up that baby bird by both sides of the wing and took it somewhere. At that point... I was good. I went in and did what I needed to do inside the house, and birds didn't bother me again. But they will defend their nest to that extent. What do you need to learn from this? Perhaps nothing. Maybe it's just a good story. But you will want to be aware that swallows will go to those levels to defend their nests. 
and you might have the buyer there with you, you know, and they might be going after the buyers. It's also entirely possible that maybe the home buyers might think that swallows inside that sort of a space is going to be just cute. I know that my wife thought so. They're cute and still they start causing problems, maybe defending their nests, maybe being unhappy that guests are around. That one year that we did allow swallows to be in the cove area at the front door, Every time we had guests walk up to the house, they would startle the bird. The bird would fly out very quickly, and they'd start startle the guests, and it just wasn't good. So after that year, I pretty much insisted that we not have birds. In addition, of course, they're going to be leaving a lot of poop and crap all over the place, and you can clean it up a little bit with a high-pressure sprayer, but it's hard to get it all you got to get down on your hands and knees and scrub, and nobody wants to do that. So just let your uh, clients know that while it may be cute, there are some substantial costs associated with nests, uh, whether it's swallows or any other sort. You just don't want to allow them to think that that house is theirs. Another story. In this one, I was actually called out because they thought that we had a termite problem. turns out that we did, and... In my area, you don't have standard termites. They're only subtraining, which means that they live in the soil and they go into the house for dinner where dinner is wet wood. If there's no wet wood inside the house, there's no dinner. They don't come in or they don't stay. There's just nothing there for them. In this case, we had a wet wall. And so as I ran my fingers along the wall, I could actually hear some of the termite workers scream as I was compressing them what they had done is they were eating out the sheetrock paper between the sheetrock and the paint. And so this is how I knew that we had an active termite infestation. So I was able to confirm that we had the termites, but the next question is why do we have the termites? So as I am often found to do, I went uh, looking for the root cause of this infestation. And... Of course, the entire wall, you know, had the infestation of the of the termites. So I'm thinking, okay, the the water that's getting this wall wet is coming from above. So I went up onto the roof, and there was nothing there. It was a very standard roof. Didn't have a lot of valleys. Didn't have any chimney in the area. It was actually the south edge of the home. It was standard gable roof. Nothing very interesting about it. And we didn't even have any plumbing over on that side. So I'm thinking, what is causing the water that's getting this wall wet? So the only thing left, I'd verified that it was coming from above, but it was not coming from the roof and it was not coming from plumbing. So what other water source is there? I got up into the attic and what I saw is that they had a gable vent where uh, birds had gotten in there by the hundreds and they'd brought in bushel upon bushel of straw to make their nests. And this was not only just a bird nest, it was an entire bird condo. It was a massive bird condo complex. So the south side had, I don't know how many hundreds of birds. And then the north side actually had some more where they'd brought in quite a bit of straw. And they'd made another nest complex for probably another 30 to 50 birds as well. So what I gathered from this is that the birds were getting in there and the urine from the birds nesting was actually causing enough moisture to cause the, uh, or allow, or create the termite problem down in the wall. 
So as a result of this uh, being hired to verify termites, I was actually also able to verify that there was a bird problem up there. Turns out that the homeowners knew about that, but again, they thought that was cute. What they didn't realize is that the hospital bills, the medical issues that they were having was a direct result of the bird urine, in addition to the termite issues that they were having as well. So the fix for that, again, was to eliminate the reason why the birds were there. Most critters are looking for food and shelter, and so you, if you eliminate both, then you usually have it covered. In this case, shelter means front door. And the front door for the birds here was the gable vent, which was not adequately screened. Birds were getting in through there and then making a very happy nest for themselves. So my recommendation was to give in and restore that screen so that things could be back to normal without the health issues and without the termites. I'm glad I was not the guy that had to disinvite all those birds. I can only imagine what that would look like. I'm sure that the guy would have had to put on a full body suit and a full face mask and who knows what else to protect himself. You know, who knows what a hundred angry, confused birds are going to do. I'm glad it wasn't me. Of course, simply putting a screen over the exterior of the gable vent would have caused a thousand rotting bird corpses, and so that may not have been the world's best idea either. All of this kind of stuff is information that you're going to want to think of yourself and pass that information along to the client as they're considering what their options are. What do we learn from that? The vents need to be protected against bird entry. That's the little gem of knowledge that you can gain from that. Also, uh, another little gem is that if there is a water issue, it might not be a water issue. So just be aware that sometimes it is urine, sometimes it's birds, sometimes it's mice, sometimes it's raccoons. But in many cases, and I've seen this in some other stories that I have related to raccoons, etc., you had some water showing that obviously originated from the ceiling or above the ceiling, and it wasn't because there was a roof leak. So that is the explanation of last resort when you do have water issues from above. Of course, the first option would be, like I say, roof leak, etc. Another story I have. This was in, again, an older home, maybe about 1920. It was in a college town, and you had a bunch of girls that were living in this older house. They'd got tired of living in the dorm, so they had moved out, and you had about six girls in there. It was December when I did this inspection. I walked in, and they were all wearing coats. Indoor temperature was, I'm going to say, about 45 degrees. They were heating it a little, but not very much, and they just figured that uh, rather than pay a huge heating bill for this house, they were just going to wear coats. Also, the guy that I was working with at the time, he said it kind of smelled like baby diapers, which was interesting because none of these girls had babies. There was no babies. There was nobody under 20 that was in this space. And so here you've got this girl's living space going on. It smells like that, but there's no reason why it should smell like that. So we went ahead and did our inspection, checked the plugs, etc., and found those sorts of issues. The last thing we did is we got up into the attic, and as we did so, the first thing I noticed there is that we didn't have an attic hatch. The attic was placed in one of the upstairs hallway closets, but everything was open, and you didn't have an attic hatch. And so I'm thinking, of course, this home is expensive to heat because the heat's going to go straight up to the second floor and then straight out into the attic. 
Uh, these girls apparently weren't smart enough to figure out that they needed an attic hatch cover, and you couldn't expect them to construct one for themselves, but at least they could have mentioned it to the landlord or the management company, and those guys should have been able to create a two-by-three attic lid. Anyway, so we poked our head up there, took a look at uh, all the things that you want to look for inside the attic, but first thing we noticed is there was a bunch of pigeons in there. There was about six of them that were live. There was a few more that were dead. There was bird poop all over the place, a number of eggs that were cracked, etc., and just proof that pigeons had been living in there for quite some time. Some of them came in and out uh, while we had our head poked up into the attic. Of course, we're not going to go up into there and do battle with the pigeons. Again, standing on the attic rafters, and being startled or pushed around by pigeons, not safe, not something we're going to do. It just gets written up just after poking our heads into the attic. So that's the reason why it smelled like baby diapers, is we actually had pigeon poop that was up there by the 100-pound full in the attic, and the smell was coming down into the living space. So, yeah, the $10 fix on that item was a new attic hatch cover and, of course, disinviting the pigeons and making sure that they can't get back into the house. Again, on this one, it was the gable vent that uh, was allowing the pigeons in that had to be repaired. And then we had a better set of conditions that were a lot more healthy and economic for the people involved. In the home that I am in presently, I moved to this home, and I mentioned that it's by a lake, and there's a lot more birds here than in the home that I moved away from that was only about 10 miles away. I'm going to say probably 50 times more birds here. And that's awesome until the birds start causing havoc actually inside the house. On the back side of this house, and it's a two-story, what I found is that birds were getting into the eaves and the pathway, the front door for entry for these birds, was an electrical box, one of those blue boxes you get at uh, any hardware store. And it was placed in the eaves probably to put an electrical plug or maybe a light or who knows what, but they didn't actually put the fixture in. They just left the box. And so somehow the birds managed to peck out the back end of that box. Maybe the box was used as kind of a pathway for wiring because there is quite a bit of wiring coming out through that box any case, the box became a front door for the birds to get up into there. And they're based on the sounds that were going on and the amount of traffic going in and out of that box, there had to have been a couple dozen birds up there. I gave the birds fair warning. You know, I, I, I waited until about 10 or 11 o'clock until the birds were out, hopefully feeding. And then I grabbed a stick and I banged on the uh, the soffit to just let them know that there was something to be afraid of. And we did get one bird out of there. Then I went in with expanding foam insulation and I just sealed. I pretty much used the entire bottle on that section. I could hear that there were still plenty of birds in there that were now confused and chirping and they died and rotted. And I'm grateful that I didn't end up smelling the, the smell of rotten bird corpses for the next couple of months. We didn't get any of that. I'm sure that it didn't smell good up there, but we were lucky that it didn't permeate down into the living space. I noticed later that birds had attempted to peck their way back in through that expanding foam insulation, but they waited until it was dry, 
and there were a number of confused birds uh, out on my lawn that just were sitting there waiting for something to happen. They didn't know what, but they, they just were kind of there for lack of a better place to be. And then they made an attempt, and it didn't work. At least as of this date, it didn't work. What do we learn from this? As a home inspector, you're going to be looking for any sort of an opening in the eaves, the soffit, the fascia, the edges, uh, the, the vents, anywhere a critter could get in. And when they can, they're going to bring all their cousins and brothers. So that's uh, the sort of thing that is not cute. It is unhealthy. It's going to be a nuisance. And uh, you're going to want to make sure the buyer is very much aware of that. Now, a final story about birds, and then we're going to go to woodpeckers. The home that I moved from, when I moved into the home that I'm in, that one was a foreclosure, and it had some issues. It had a number of issues, and one of which was that the soffit just wasn't there in certain places. The birds had figured that out, and so as a result, they were going in and clomping across the soffit to wherever their bird nest was, and then clomping back, as they do, you know, ting, ting, ting. And they were doing so at about 6 o'clock in the morning. As a result, you know, if you think the rooster is annoying in the morning, you ought to try waking up to the click, 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 ting, ting, ting of birds going in and out and in and out of the soffits right next to your bedroom. That caused the need for some repairs on the soffit there. I got in and I did that. For years after that, three years after that, we still had birds that were flying in under the eaves and just expecting that soffit not to be there. And they got surprised because it was there. And, you know, they'd kind of bang their heads and try it again for a while until they figured out that the soffit was actually there. And then, who knows, they went off somewhere else. But that continued for quite a while. It was, of course, better than the click, click, click of bird claws walking across the top side of the soffit as they're, as they're going to the nest. And then, of course, you hear the little birds doing the begging for food. This is not something that anybody wants to wake up to inside your house. Then, of course, you're back to the uh, urine and feces associated with all of those birds going on inside your attic space. Not good. This is the kind of thing you're going to want to make sure that you note in your report and make sure that you're clear with the homeowner that they cannot be okay with and it needs to be addressed. Now, woodpeckers. You know, the area that I live in is not known for its woodpeckers. Most of the clients that I talk to are surprised, very surprised, when I tell them that there's woodpeckers in the city environment that we live in. Most of us are not surprised if we see maybe a woodpecker in the forest that's, uh, I don't know, 20 miles away. But woodpeckers actually inside the urban environment, such as it is in my state, there's a lot of surprise. You will see that from time to time. There are certain areas where conditions are right for woodpeckers. Maybe they're going to have a certain amount of urban forest and sometimes they decide that the urban forest isn't what they're looking for, and they will actually go after homes. And I don't know what is in their brains, but after pecking trees for as much as they do, maybe their brains get scrambled, and woodpeckers can cause a great deal of damage in stucco. I've seen this in some very nice homes. I've seen it in some apartment buildings, but uh, they'll go up near the eaves and they'll just peck on that stucco until you'll have 
very large areas that are just gone and to leave it down to uh, the tar paper and then you've got an expensive repair to make. So when you see random holes, especially up near the eaves on some of those taller buildings, even on an eight-foot building, it can happen, or eight-foot eaves. Taller buildings more often, but any building can have it. You can have these holes that are anywhere from fist size to, to larger, and usually they'll take very random shapes. What's happening there is not a bad stucco job. It is woodpeckers. So you're going to want to have that one in your quiver of tools so that you can answer that question and, and help the homeowner or the potential buyer realize what's going on so they are better equipped to know what to do about it. Now, obviously, on this one, it's going to be you can't eliminate the access because this is on the exterior of the home and you can't prevent a woodpecker from, from doing that. What you can do is disinvite the woodpecker when it's happening. Maybe the homeowner, while they're living inside the home, if they hear that, they can go out and scare off the woodpecker. And after about 50 to 100 attempts, they may or may not have some success at this. Your job, however, is to be clear as to what the problem is, and that will give them some idea of how they can deal with it further. Okay, so in this segment, we have talked about birds and bats, talked about how bats can get in, what kind of damage they can cause, and, and things that you should be inspecting for. Basically, access pathways, be it holes in the chimney, holes in the eaves, holes in whatever it may be, those are the things that you're going to be writing up, noticing and writing up to protect yourself and to protect your clients. It's not all about the electrical and plumbing and roof and structure. If you ignore this sort of thing or if you don't have it in your arsenal of tools, you will get that 3 a.m. phone call and somebody's going to be unhappy and you're going to lose a valued realtor. Be aware, of course, that if you've got a realtor that's referring you and let's say that you're charging $400 per inspection, you know, his lifetime value may be $40,000 to you to pull a number out of the air if he refers 100 inspections to you. If you miss something like this and you land his client with a bat or a bird problem and they decide to start uh, hiring somebody else, you just cost yourself, let's say, half of that lifetime value. That's $20,000. So you're going to want to pay attention to this stuff. We talked about swallows and swallow nests and how those are not going to be okay, how birds of any nature can get into attics and cause havoc or the eaves. They're not cute. They're not okay. They're not healthy, and they cannot be allowed to stay. Finally, the woodpeckers. It is unusual. Uh, in 20 years, I've only seen, I'm going to say, half a dozen homes that have woodpecker damage. It may be much greater than that in the area that you're inspecting, but I can pretty much guarantee to you, because woodpeckers are in every part of the United States, that at some point in time you will see it, and you're going to want to have that answer there and ready. Okay, you know, this gets you to a very basic level of understanding. You can always go to my website, homemedicusa.com. We'll have a forum there where you can talk about birds, etc., among many other things. You can always go to nachi.org and uh, for specific information about a, maybe a particular kind of species that may be in your area, there's always Google. You're always going to want to do your own research so you, so you can become more of an expert in all of these crazy little things that can happen in your specific part of the country.
Go out there, inspect, respect, and do me proud.